This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. Hi there, this is The Fit Mess. My name is Jeremy. His name is Zach. What's up, everyone? The focus of our conversation this week is going to be yoga. It's a tool that uh, has been essential to both uh, my personal fitness and, and Zach's fitness, and we'll get into all of that in just a bit. We will also be joined in just a few minutes by Michael Suzeris. He's the owner of Ohm Culture Seattle, uh, a yoga studio based here in Seattle for the last couple of decades. And we'll talk about all the benefits that, that yoga can provide for you mentally and physically and and Michael's unique take on yoga that that I think kind of goes against what a lot of people would would see as a, as a normal, uh, traditional yoga practice. So very interesting conversation. And, and I can't wait for you to hear his story of how yoga came into his life. It's a, it's a powerful story uh, about survival, a near-death experience, really just a really fascinating conversation. But let's start, Zach, with yoga itself and, and sort of... I, I mean, you're a yoga instructor. You you've gone through the training. You're a, you're a, a Jedi in the yoga world. I think you're going a little bit over. Is that the too top much? There. Did I go too far? A, li- a little too far. Um, I a have a, a certification. A Padawan. Um, yeah, we'll go there. Padawan without a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I have a I have a certification to instruct yoga. Ah. I went through the I went through the 200 hour teacher training, uh-huh. which my only goal in it was to uh just deepen my yoga practice and understand it a little bit more um for anyone who knows me when i get interested in anything i tend to go uh 100 miles an hour i I have to learn everything about it and i got into yoga and i had to learn everything about it and i wanted to know everything and and of course the teacher training you you put some money on the line too so kind of accountability little accountability there uh so yeah, no, I, I did that. When did I do that? Two years ago? I think I had just finished it when we started this show. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Yeah. And I've taught one class. That's I, it. And I took that class. You did. And you, and did. you I, even slipped in a Star Wars reference there, too, because you're that big of a nerd. I did. And <laughs> like I said, you're the only one who caught it. Um. So the interesting thing to me about yoga is, or I guess my experience with it is, I came to it as as we'll talk about in in just a few minutes with our guest, but and same with Zach, we both came to it through injury. There was some ailment that we thought it would that it would cure. Um, mine was a bike crash that I was involved in a few years ago, and uh, part of the recovery, I just thought, you know, yoga is a simple sort of slow, methodical way to move my body and not you know worry about lifting weights or or doing something that's going to aggravate. You know, I had broken a collarbone, so I didn't want to aggravate that injury. And so yoga seemed like a really natural way to start moving my body, even though prior to that, you know, exercise was not something that I gave two shits about. I didn't do it. I ate poorly. I was way, way far uh, overweight from what I am now. But I decided to try something in in terms of uh, the rehab, trying to get my body moving. And so yoga seemed like a a natural way to do that. And the things that have surprised me about it is, is both what it can do for you emotionally. I mean, that's to me, that's really been the biggest key. Um, but also how it has been like a gateway drug for me. Once I start doing it, I'll, I'll sort of finish, um, you know, the, the package of classes that I bought or the online class that I take. And then I feel like, oh, I'm ready for something more. I can take this to now a more cardio based training or, or something more strength training. And every Mm -hmm. time that I've, that I've started a yoga practice, that has been the next step. And that's currently, I mean, that's the step I'm in now. A couple months ago, I was started with just a simple, I think we even talked about on the show, like a beach body uh, yeah. yoga program. It was like three days and then like a three week one. And then when those were done, I was like, hey, I feel like I can take on more. And then we talked to Sean T about his program. And today I'm on the last day of that. So um, so you went from slow moving yoga to like kicking my ass workout that you could possibly yeah, kicking, do. And- kicking my own ass brutally yeah. every day for 60 days. Good for you. Yeah. So um so it it is an uh, if if physical activity is something that you're struggling with, you're trying to figure out how to how to get in a workout, especially during a pandemic when you can't go to the gym or whatever. Yoga is a great place to start because you can do it in any room in your house. There's thousands of videos online. There's just there's just so many ways to do it. And Zach, I know you you mentioned before we were recording that you've actually been doing some yoga recently. Yeah. Um so it's it's really my staple. Um so through the process of moving from Seattle to New York, I actually lost it for a little bit. I was in New York by myself and I didn't, you know, I'd gone to a couple of yoga studios, but I couldn't really find like my people, right? It mm-hmm. was 
none of them clicked and you know fortunately i have since found my people i think but um you know none of the yoga studios around here have really clicked i've got one more i have to try but unfortunately they shut down in march they'll open up again but i've been doing some of their online videos um so we'll see how that goes but yeah no i i have you know very specific yoga for me is meditation right Mm -hmm. i I sit down to try to meditate. Like if I just sit down and try and breathe and not move, I can't do it. Like it, it just drives me insane. I actually went to a float tank this week as well. Oh, did you try that? Yeah. I want, I really just wanted the powerful Epsom salt bath. Yeah. But, um, you know, the hour in there was for me anyway, it was just incredibly horrible for the first 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, I was literally bouncing off the walls and I'm not kidding. Like I was hitting one wall (laughs) And then seeing how long it would take me to get to the other side <laughs> and then bounce to the other side. It was it it was just You were trying to find yeah. any way to occupy your brain. Exactly. But then I go into a yoga practice and it's just, oh, I have to do this move. Okay, I do this move. I breathe in here, I breathe out here, mm-hmm. breathe in here, breathe out here. And at the end of it, it's it's it allows me to focus on doing something and get that meditative uh strengthening mm-hmm. throughout the process and keep me just busy enough to keep my anxiety at bay. It's the only way I can do it. But one of the things I realized when I was going through the process and teaching uh, yoga during the during the training, and I'm not I'm sure if you're an experienced instructor, you can get some benefit out of doing yoga with people while you're instructing them. But once I started teaching yoga, it all changed, right? It was it was all about, all right, I need to make sure that all of the flows are appropriate here and that I'm keeping an eye on all the people and, and that they're doing it right and that I'm walking them through it right. It became a whole different animal and something that I really personally just wasn't interested in doing because I wasn't getting any benefit out of it from the yoga side. My anxiety was creeping up again because, A, you know, you're in front of people talking too, like, you know, using your body as a model, right? You're showing them the moves, which is totally in left field for me. So going to going down the route of, I I had thought a few times that I would start teaching a few classes here and there, but then I realized that, you know, I really just wanted to learn more about it and the teaching aspect of it wouldn't be beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if I would have taught a good class or not. So it might not have been beneficial for anyone else, but, um, it, teaching is not my thing. It's just, I wanted to know more about it and they don't have any other way to put money on the line to actually learn more about yoga. Right. Right. That's one of the things that, uh, that I know about myself as well. And, or, and then I've really learned recently is that so much of physical fitness for me is more about calming my mind than strengthening my body. Because I know that when I don't work out, anxiety is, is ramped up. Depression is ramped up. Like all the, all the mental demons that I wrestle with all day long, they're quieted when my body's tired. And so even like my wife and I have tried to work out together a few times and it doesn't work for me because I'm focused on, is she okay? You know, her, her form looks a little off or what? Like I get out of my own head when the whole point for me is to get deeper in yeah. And even, you know, even the program I mentioned, I did the Shanti program. I don't get the same spiritual release. I definitely calm the anxiety. That is a huge part of it. But I, I tell you 90% of the time, if I do yoga for, you know, any extended period of time, it ends in tears at some point because mm-hmm. there is just this emotional release that happens. Um, and so it's just, it's extremely powerful in that way. And I think it is. And we'll talk to our guest about this in just a minute. It's about the, the connection with breath. And, and what that does for your body. And there's so much that, you know, even listening to this interview again, I realize how much I want to learn about breath and, and how, how to use it more effectively in my sort of mental health and wellness practice. So that's definitely on my list for something that we'll, we'll talk about on the show in the future. One interesting thing about, about the breath with yoga, um, if you go back and look at, you know, the whole reason for yoga is to prepare your body to sit and breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's actually the whole point. The original point of it is to get your body to a state where you can sit still and breathe. Right. That that's it. Like it's pretty damn simple. But <laughs> but, but what it opens it, up is far from simple. Yeah, exactly. 
So with all of that in mind, uh, our guest this week is Michael Suzeris. Uh, as I mentioned, he's the owner of Ohm Culture here in Seattle. And uh, he has a fascinating story about how he came to yoga, how it came into his life. And uh, we'll talk to him about that and the many benefits that it can provide for you from someone who actually knows what he's talking about. So uh, again, our conversation begins with sort of what brought Michael Suzeris to yoga. For me, I got into yoga... Um, kind of sideways. I didn't come looking for it specifically. Um, I'd been fairly physical, physically active as a younger person. And uh, one of the things I liked doing was diving, like springboard diving. And uh, at age 23, I found myself diving off of a bridge and landing in shallow water on my head. Um, and like really had a near-death experience. And uh, it was it was really traumatic uh, for Lots of reasons, and I won't go into the details. I didn't really get medical attention. Um, I was not part of the, let's just say my, my father's in the military, so I went through the, the military medical system, which at least at that time was not very good. And I was never x-rayed, never really touched. Nobody, you know, I was asked a few questions, and that was about it. And so I was kind of just left to deal with that on my own. Uh, and so... And it was pretty clear to me that the injury was bad enough that that if I did nothing, that I, that it would just you know that I would not get better. So I just decided at that time I needed to really do everything I could to kind of undo the damage of the injury. I didn't have a lot of information to go on, no X-rays or you know anything like that. Many years later, um, <clears throat> like lots of years later, maybe twenty or more years later, uh, I did get an X-ray from a chiropractor that I went to. And he was kind of befuddled and said, like, what What did you do to your neck? Because I had a fracture in one of my vertebrae and a couple of the uh, the little protrusions of the vertebrae had actually broken off. So I had little bits of bone that were floating around and such. So, um, you know, I, I'm just imagining that, you know, slight change of angle in my neck, I probably just wouldn't even be here. So that was kind of where I was at age 23. And... Uh, in that near-death experience, um, I had you know the whole story that you always hear about the light and the voices and the f your light flashing before your eyes, and it all happened. And then it was uh, it was actually quite comfortable. You know, I, I felt myself floating down the river, and all pain just went away. And then there was a conversation, and the conversation went something like, um, "So this is what it feels like." And it was it was actually really beautiful and lovely, <laughs> and it would have been quite nice to just let go and go into that. Uh, but uh, at that time, um, I had just sort of started my life and had you know lots of things going on and realized like I didn't want to walk out at this stage of the game. So um, so I was given a choice that I could come back and just. But the deal was that if I came back, I, I couldn't come back whole. I had to come back and deal with the situation that had just happened. So that was kind of the start of it. So coming back into that, uh, I was able to get out of the water on my own power and was in bed for several days, really not able to move much and just all kinds of things going on. Uh, but through that process, I started to um, to just work on myself. Uh, and, I, and I did, you know, I kind of followed my instinct. I did whatever felt good. I had been a gymnast uh prior to that so you know I, I knew about stretching and all that i i didn't really have any ideas about yoga per se uh, and the reason for all this long story is that you know i didn't one day walk into a yoga class and just go like oh i'll try this i spent 10 years rehabilitating my body and i and i basically was just relentless about it because it was very uncomfortable i always say pain is a great motivator right so if you're in pain that's like, people usually start yoga because they are in pain they come in saying like, oh my God, my hip's never going to get better. What do I do? And someone says, try yoga, you know, so, something like that. So, uh, so I spent 10 years like working just relentlessly on my own body, trying to fix it. In the course of that, found all kinds of other ailments that, you know, just sort of plagued me all my life and, you know, gradually chipping away at those. And one day, I think it was in 1989, I was invited to, uh, to attend a yoga class. I was kind of struck by how similar what they were doing was to what I had developed over the past 10 years. You know, I just sort of did everything that made my body feel better. So I was doing deep stretching and back arching and just a lot of things. And when I came to the class, I thought, wow, this is very, very similar to what I was doing. 
And so in some ways, I, I think I, in those 10 years, I felt like I'd gotten so much better that, you know, coming and taking a yoga class would be a fairly easy thing to do. You know, I sort of, sort of feel like, oh, I think I've pulled myself together and I can do this. And I just remember that first class doing some things that I had never tried before and really struggling with it, you know, and, and then thinking, gosh, you know, I, I hadn't tried this particular thing before. Uh, and so I, I kind of got interested to see what else was possible. And I think uh, probably a lot of folks have this experience. You know, you start, you start doing something and uh, you think you have an understanding of it in the beginning. And over time, that understanding starts to change. Well, the teacher I had, Bob Smith, um, kind of one of the unsung heroes of the yoga scene in Seattle. Most people in the current yoga world don't even know who he is, but he was really one of a few teachers that was out there every day uh, bringing yoga to Seattle. He is uh, what I would really consider like a true yogi. He, he lives it, breathes it. So his life is about, about meditation and awareness and, and deep spiritual practice. So that's his thing. Um, so I practiced with Bob for, I'm going to say probably about 10 years straight. Um, I usually did a couple of classes a week, maybe two to three. Uh, I never had the time to be a daily practitioner. And in the course of that practice too, I think I came to the realization that I, I didn't want to be a daily practitioner. Um, I think right now there are a lot of folks who think like, oh, yoga, you know, you get up at six in the morning and you meditate first and you only drink tea and, and then you do your 90 minute practice. And if you do it every day, you'll be a good yogi. Um, even today, I don't actually believe that. I have a whole different way of practicing. Uh, I think a lot of the folks in the current yoga world and the, the current understanding of at least Western understanding of what yoga is, um, I'm way out on the fringe someplace. I, I think a lot of folks would look at what I do and say, oh, that's not even yoga. Well, you know, it's, it's my yoga. I, again, because I, I came at it from, an, a, from being very severely injured, that has always been my focus. And a lot of the people that I've connected with over the years uh, in the practice of yoga, either in my classes or one-on-one, -on -one, uh, have been through them trying to get through some kind of difficult issue with their body and mine. Yoga is great. Uh, but often if you have some kind of an injury, the standard flow, vinyasa flow practice of yoga is not necessarily even good for you. You know, you can actually be hurting yourself doing that, thinking that's what you need to get better, when really what you need to do is like focus on the very specific issue that is, uh, that's causing you a problem now. And, and in dealing with that, you can get back to when your body is in balance doing those other things. That's that's interesting. I think Zach, you and I both sort of uh, came to yoga because of pain, right? Is that, I think that was your story too. Yeah. So I started yoga due to um, I started having symptoms of uh, intense tingling and numbness in my hands and my feet, which um, is one of the war early warning signs of MS. So I I went to a neurologist. I went to many doctors no one could explain anything. Um, everything checked out clean. Um, and my wife suggested, you know, maybe you just need to go stretch a little and it could just be nerves firing in some way. So that's actually how I went to my first yoga class and extremely intimidated. But at the same time, you know, I was in good shape. So I was, I was ready for it. And then that first class really kicked my butt. But, um, it turned out to be a very, very rare side effect to a medication that my doctor had me on the tingling. So I actually wasn't, there wasn't really anything physically wrong with me, but I, I look back and I'm so thankful that that medication had that impact on me because I wouldn't have tried yoga if I, if, if I hadn't had that. Um, but like you said, like I went for the physical benefits and it turned out to be one of the greatest things I could ever do for myself from a mental perspective uh, in the long run. Could you talk more about the mental benefits of yoga as uh, I think with any practice, the more you do, the more, the more all of the benefits start to make themselves more apparent. Um, you know, you can just imagine that people who are in pain all the time um, have a hard time relating to the world just in general, because their mind is actively engaged in 
dealing with pain. And that can be physical pain that's caused by an injury, but it can also be emotional pain or trauma caused in childhood or, or even from some traumatic event that was unexpected. Um, so they're clearly tied together. Um, I think the piece that I'd like to introduce or talk about a little bit is uh, sort of my aha moment when, when I first started practicing yoga. Uh, there's a, a fairly well-known yogini who I believe is from this area, maybe Whidbey Island. Her name is Anna Forrest. Um, I went to a workshop of hers and was doing a particular thing. And physically, I was in, in really pretty good shape by that time. And I was doing this particular practice and she kept telling me to breathe. And I said, I am breathing. And she, she just sort of said, well, like, you know, someday you'll learn how to breathe, young man. And uh, sure enough, that was, that was it. You know, like uh, if there's one thing that can really change everything, that's uh, learning about the connection, not just of how breath is a physical thing and affects the body physically, but how it calms the mind. So we know about the, the parasympathetic nervous system and how breathing can really calm uh, the pineal gland. And so um, I think that was sort of the beginning of the, my journey, going from strictly like this is physical yoga practice and wanting to do all the fancy postures and the hard things where you're doing hand balances and all of that and realizing in some ways like the only way really to get there and, and be there and sustainably there is to learn how to control the breath. And then the more I started doing with breath, the more I realized, well, I mean, I was... I got to a point where I was doing some very, very deep breath work and, um, you know, just strictly through breath work, you can completely alter your, your mental perception of everything. Like just on a short term basis, if you just do a breath work practice, you know, you can, you can just get out of this physical realm, so to speak. But in the longer term, once we start to really get this understanding of how, how body, breath, mind all fit together, then the breathing practice actually, for me, has actually superseded the physical practice. It's funny. My experience is very similar where um, you know, like I also had an injury and one of the ways I wanted to sort of um, try and recover from it was through yoga because it seemed like a simple, not overly uh, exerting myself way to um, sort of heal physically. But I did. It was the same thing where I found that emotionally... Every time I got on the mat, I would just weep. It just opened up something deeper that mm-hmm. it all of the the poses like I, I don't know the names, I don't know, you know, but I, I love going to a class and being guided through it because then I can just focus on the breath and that does just open things up in a way that I don't I don't know how to explain it in a way that would convince somebody that moving your body and breathing a certain way unlocks ancient demons and gets them out of your body. Interesting that you say it unlocks ancient demons. Uh, I spent a good chunk of my early yoga practice doing exactly that. I started discovering all kinds of things that were really deeply, deeply wrong in the body. Uh, It also changed my perception of um, the notion of reincarnation. Uh, You know, like I found things that just sort of, I I realized like, well, that didn't happen, not in this life. I, I don't remember anything that caused that injury. And when I did my very, very, deep uh, meditative practices mm-hmm. i'd have really clear clear memories of things that didn't happen in this life hmm. where do we go with this i mean we're talking about <laughs> so as a doorway to perception so maybe that's sure. a way to put it sure and part of it is sort of the breath as fuel for the physical body breath as a portal to uh, other avenues or other uh, areas of of being in the mind uh, and and even to some extent, like the breath as a pathway to spiritual practice, because when you start to go and start delving into the realms of like, well, what is reincarnation? What are we really doing here? This is that's the spiritual practice, isn't it? It is, and and beyond that, for me, uh, through some deep breath work and some deep meditation, it's even brought into question for me what reality is, what we what we perceive. There is something else. I've seen it. I've felt it. I can't tell you what it is. I can't explain it in a way that's tangible. But through these simple practices, I have. I've seen that door open and I've seen other things that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. And this it's just so it's so interesting how this is a path to sort of finding that. All right. Well I'm gonna actually bring us back to to 
sort of the this world and um, <laughs> sure. practical applications of yoga. <laughs> okay, you know, we can go. We can get really esoteric here and start talking about like, wow, that's one time. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, was, I get I get really excited when when people talk about this because like, oh, you know I was what I'm talking just about. Really interested. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, we can, we could do that too. I mean, maybe we could do another one of these. I, I can tell you sure. stories all day long about like going deep, deep, deep into meditation and and you know. Do I dare say right now, like, like uh, having psychic connection with with animals and and you know becoming a tree? Oh my god! Like, uh, yeah, you know, no, I into tree energy. I've I've connected um, <laughs> with the ocean. I've communicated with the dead. It's been it's been okay. weird. It's been very weird. Exactly. All right. So so you you know where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah. and that's not going to happen in a little fifteen minute <laughs> right. podcast. But but for now, because this is a first conversation that we're having, and you don't want to lose your whole audience right away. Right, right, right. If, if we bring it back to sort of the practical applications yes. of yoga and why we do it, you know, uh, and, and I, I'm really serious about that part because I think sometimes, um, uh, as Zach had said, he was intimidated to go to yoga, and mm -hmm. probably not because he thought people were talking with a dad, but probably just more like, you know, you see bendy people in there doing all kinds of things and thinking like, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. And this is this perception of, first of all, with, for most folks, that yoga is like you have to get your body and put yourself into some pretzel shape, which is, first of all, not at all true. All, secondly, the, the other big concern is, am, am I going to look that good in yoga pants? I mean, that's the real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't wear spandex. Yeah. <laughs> not a good look. Um, so to kind of bring it back to that sort of like for folks who are maybe newer to yoga and speaking to a broader audience perhaps, or those who are maybe just dabbling in a little bit, uh, just sort of the practical applications and um, outcomes of having a practice. Well, you know, just first of all, the learning to breathe part is so important because uh, the way I like to explain that is that um, um, in any kind of physical activity, and I see this often with the, you know, guys who are, exercising or lifting weights and doing all of that how they hold their breath and like do pull-ups like holding the breath and and my immediate thought is like well breath is like fuel okay so breath is like a, i compare it to a fire a little fire in the fire pit and you think if you want a big fire you just like keep throwing wood on it but that's not what, at all what you do you put a little tiny bit of wood in it wood is like uh food to our bodies right but our body doesn't burn the food, it burns oxygen. So same with the fire, you, the fuel is there, the wood's there, but in order to make it burn, you have to put a lot of oxygen on it. So you fan it. And when you fan it, you get a hot fire going with just a little tiny bit of wood. Kind of the same thing happens with your body. If you think that eating more food is gonna give you energy, what it does is it really smothers the fire. But when you, when you take the nutrition in that you need for your body to do the chemistry, but you add the fuel, which is, oxygen then your body has everything that it needs now i don't know if i'd go as far as to believe the folks who say they do nothing but breath you know i do i do have heard of people who can survive a good long time just on breath i don't know that they don't eat food at all but it's you know if you really think about it like that is primarily what we use for fuel so I think that was one of the main takeaways when I first started doing yoga was that when I learned the deeper breathing practices, I found that even things that seem very difficult, I do a lot of non-yoga kinds of exercises. I do a lot of hanging from bars and pulling and things like that. I found that uh, I could go for as long as I can breathe deeply. So whatever exercise I'm doing, as long as I'm breathing deeply and consciously, I can pretty much keep going. But as soon as I stop breathing or the breathing gets irregular, then the muscles fail. That's funny. Just today, I mean, I, I wasn't doing yoga. I was doing more of a cardio workout, but just mentally the state of the world right now, it's, I, I you know, not firing on all cylinders. I'm, I'm really struggling with just what everything, everything that everyone's dealing with. And I felt it in this workout and it was, I was not connected with myself. I was just trying to go through the motions and it just beat me down and, and it just emotionally, it was, it was defeating to feel like I didn't give it my all. And it was, I, I know now hearing you say that, that it wasn't, I wasn't breathing enough and correctly. And that's, that's where I was losing a lot of the strength I needed to get through it. Well, we might also look at that very same thing and say, um, because you said two words that, that, uh, that I always have to stop and process uh, because I hear this often from students. Am I doing it correctly? Am I doing enough? 
So you said I wasn't doing it enough or correctly. And my take is like, yeah, you can always change things up. Depends on what, what outcome you're looking for. Uh, sometimes the shortness of breath is just a symptom. And maybe that's what you actually have to look at. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you don't need to get to that next step. You don't need to breathe harder or do it more correctly and get to the next step. Maybe what you need to do right now is feel what it feels like to, to have a hard time breathing, mm-hmm. you know, have a hard mm-hmm. time connecting because that's a, a step in the process. Yeah. Um, in the practice, the physical current practice of yoga in West, in the U S anyway, um, I think that chal- one of the biggest challenges I have with it is that it uh, is very sort of directive, like, you know, you do your class and you know, it's going to start here. It's going to end here. You're going to do all of these things. You're going to try to break a sweat. You're going to try to get to where you're relaxed. You know, it's like everything about it is prescriptive. We already know what the outcome, we think we know what the outcome is. Uh, I I teach only a couple of times a week anymore. I've stopped doing any kind of sort of uh, any kind of class where I know where we're going to end up. And throughout the entire course of the class, even as we're doing any of the things that we end up doing, which I, I never pre-select, I always let my body guide me. So we'll do one thing and we'll move and I'll talk about that process and be like, well, where do we want to go from here? Okay, let, let's, let's do this. This feels right. Uh, during that process, I remind people continually that we're not trying to get anywhere. So, you know, let's just say we do, um, you both do some yoga, right? So mm-hmm. let's just yeah. say that we, uh, you know what Badakonasana is, bound angle, where you put your feet together and your knees wide? Yep. You know, like butterflies. Sure. Your knees yep. out like that, right? And then, then there's this grab your feet and pull forward, right? And our whole culture, the American culture, is all geared toward results, always. Mm-hmm. And so the minute you say, okay, we're going into Badakonasana, I've already got people grabbing their feet and pulling as hard as they can. So the way I teach is like, don't do that. We, we don't need to go there or, or maybe you do, but, but what, what would happen if you waited and, right. and found out what was waiting between here and there? And for me, my practice has become almost entirely about that. And it mm-hmm. doesn't mean I don't work hard. doesn't mean that I don't sometimes really pull hard. Um, but I usually don't just dive right in and try to get to the end goal. What I've found to be the most important thing about the way I practice currently is being patient enough to feel what's going on right here before the next thing and and even that next thing isn't my mind saying now that we've done this we're going to do this the way that it works for me now is like just be here and breathe and wait and pull when it feels like pulling and release when you feel like releasing and over time it goes there you know the posture is what it is because that's where it goes if you let it but when we try to force it it's you can get there. It's it's a much more difficult road. Yeah, I've got a I've got a um, I I will never forget the one day in class when this was early on in 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 doing yoga and I was trying to muscle my way into a pose and the teacher walked by. She wasn't even looking at me, but she decided to say something to the effect of just remember everyone if you can't breathe through the pose you're you're not owning the pose. And I realized I was holding my breath and muscling through it. So I backed out considerably to a point where I thought was not a successful pose. And then I could breathe. And then through the breath, I twisted more and I got in more. And it was it was an amazing moment to my uh, for me to realize that my ego needed to step aside in that particular instance. And I needed to just listen to my body and do an ease into it. It's not about jumping into it. it. So I'm totally with you. I, I will never forget that day that has led to several, um, aha moments in my yoga practice. And, and if I can actually sing your praises, Michael, I've taken, uh, several of your, um, now remote yoga classes with my family. Uh, and, and I noticed that, that, um, sort of what you're talking about where it, it it doesn't matter where we're going. I do hear you talking through the process, and, and I love that even, uh, I, I think you taught me a different way to get into Downward Dog, one of the mo- most basic moves that most people know. 
But the way that you sort of ease into it rather than just, okay, throw your heels back and the hands on the mat and bend your body. Start, you very gradually got us into that. And and now even when I'm doing other, you know, YouTube video, you know, yoga classes or, or whatever, even if they do it that way, I always go, I'm going to do it Michael's way. I like that better. I like that, that easing into oh. it because you do experience it more and it, it is more about the process and not so much about getting to the end result. And, and I really like that yeah. about your online classes, which I wanted to ask you about because the way the world is functioning right now, that's kind of what you guys are, are stuck doing is, uh, is teaching everything remotely. Is that, is that still the case now? That is the case. And, uh, even though right now I think we're being encouraged to start doing small group practices, five people or fewer wearing masks and gloves and all of the rest of it. You know, honestly, I, I'm not really seeing a bright future for brick and mortar yoga at this time. Not to say it won't ever come back, but uh, I, I don't know about that. Like, you know, I'm just even trying to imagine practicing with a mask on, you know, because uh, you have to be able to, to breathe, right? right. Uh, so right now we have switched everything to online classes. And um, that has actually gone fairly well. Uh, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's interesting. It, it's almost more intimate than in um, an actual room setting. Uh, in, in a physical room, you have people who are up close. I always really appreciate the connection I have with people right in front of me. Uh, and then there are people in the back who are there intentionally. They like that back corner, partially because they we don't have a whole lot of eye contact. They're kind of doing their own thing. And then in this online world, it's really interesting. You know, the people who, who the front row people have their, their cameras on because <laughs> they want to see what's going on. They want to interact. Right. And the back row people turn their cameras off. And <laughs> once again, like I can't really tell what they're doing. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. I, th I think I like that better in so many ways because, you know, in that classroom setting, I can be saying, look, if you, uh, and Jeremy, you've been enough to, been to enough of my classes to know, this is one of the things I'm going to just talk about one little principle before I go back to the online versus brick and mortar classes. Sure. And that principle is uh, uh, the principle of uh, <clears throat> symmetry, symmetry and balance. So that in almost every yoga class you take anywhere and in, including the ones I taught up until very recently, uh, if you do it on this side for 30 seconds, you've got to do it on that side for 30 seconds, right? right? Do you recall in some of my classes where we're doing something and I'll say, you know, instead of trying to go straight, just relax and tune in. And if your body keeps saying lean left, just go there and see what happens. Because yeah. something about your current body asymmetry is taking you to a place, the exact place that you need to go to work on to bring your body into balance, back into symmetry. Mm -hmm. So the way I practice now, you know, if I were just doing one hour of yoga a week, this principle probably would not apply. But anyone who's doing yoga as a, as a concept, as a practice to be healthy, is probably doing it when they, even when they, they don't think they're doing it. You know, by the time you've done enough yoga, you'll be sitting in your, in your armchair and <laughs> and, you know, you'll start figuring out ways to do that and yeah. you'll, you'll be paying attention to what your body is actually asking you to do. And what I always say is like, if your body keeps telling you to do this side and, and it rarely tells you to do this, keep doing this because one day, one day you'll suddenly be doing this. And then you realize now I'm in balance. It, it's so, funny you mentioned that because it was through, it wasn't, it wasn't your class specifically, but through your studio, um, which I've only been to a, a handful of, of yoga studios, but that was the first place where I heard language from the teacher that was something to the effect of, this is your practice. Do what your body tells you to I can tell you what to do, but your body knows better. And it, it's so interesting because it, do, it there does seem to be such an emphasis on getting the pose right or holding it mm. for the right amount of time. But giving giving yourself the permission to go you know what this hurts i don't need to do this or i can alter it this way and i'm still pretty close i think that becomes also just like a metaphor for everything else if you can take that practice into the real world and give yourself permission to yeah. fail and to not be perfect it's just such a it's such a powerful again to get back to taking it back into that more spiritual uh, element i guess but i just that's just the thing that that i love about it so much is that it 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 just um it resonates beyond the mat, I guess. Yeah. I like to think that, uh, that it always is perfect because you know, that, that moment when, when you need to do that other thing, that actually is the perfect thing. 
And I think when we really give ourselves permission to understand and deeply believe that that is the case, because you know that little voice in the back of your mind is saying like, oh, somebody's going to get upset with me about this. But you know, there is no somebody. Nobody else is really watching you in, in that way. Okay, only only inside yourself are you watching you in that way, and you're making those those stories up. So the, the I'm glad to hear that you said that uh, others of our teachers um, will will say that it's your practice. I, you know, I haven't tried to you know get all my teachers together and, and get them on board with a very particular way of practice. Right. I'm sure that I chose teachers based on maybe having some sense of teaching in that in that fashion. Like I said earlier, like yoga has has changed my life. And, you know, I've, I, I meet many people who are, you know, I tell them yoga, they're guys, they're like yoga, um, yikes. So kind of a, you know, specifically for guys, you know, like people who have never stepped into a yoga studio, um, you know, what would you say to somebody who's kind of interested, um, but, but again, they've never stepped into a yoga studio. They're super intimidated by it. You know, what would you say to that person to uh, make them feel good enough to actually come in and try a class? Okay, Zach, I think it's going to really depend on that person and what their condition is, physical, mental, everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to evade the question, but... Um, so maybe I could give some generic answers to that. I guess, first of all, is like, choose, I was going to say choose wisely, but you don't even have to do that. Like try a lot of different things and see what resonates is maybe a better way to, to put that. Mm-hmm. Uh, choosing wisely puts too much pressure on you to like get, get it right the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to just for a second address this issue about like men going to yoga. Mm-hmm. So by and large, you know, at least at my studio, it has been largely female oriented. The students who come are women. Most of the teachers are women. Most, um, most studio owners are women. Just in this country, it has been largely female practice. And I think part of the reason why it's been difficult for men to step in is at least in our culture, we do have this thing of, you know, ego and um, competition in particular, like, oh, I I can't do that. I'm not going to go in there because I can't do that. And, you know, first of all, it's, that's not what it's about. It's not whether you can touch your toes really. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for men, I, th- I think it's very difficult to go into a room full of folks who have been practicing even a short time, especially women who are just generally speaking more limber and then f- feel like, you know, th- like they can't do those things. So of course it's intimidating. It's kind of like ego bruising. And the other thing is like, yeah, they've been, you know, they've been lifting weights and doing these sort of heavy duty things without stretching much. So muscles are all tighter. doesn't mean they couldn't loosen them up, but it takes time. And this is not a, not a quick fix thing. You're not going to go in there and three weeks later, be able to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 30 into practice. Let's see. Yeah. 31 years into my practice of yoga. And there are things that I I know I'm not ever going to do in this lifetime, physical practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would I say would be to, um, if I could work with them one-on-one, I tell them exactly what to do and say, let's do a little assessment here, see yeah. where you are, figure out what, what's actually ailing you and what you need to work on. And then we can kind of tailor it for you. That's the best of all worlds when you can do it that way. And I sort of imagine that, uh, maybe the way yoga was taught in India, uh, that was maybe more what it was like because you were a student or a disciple of a particular teacher and that teacher had, you know, didn't just teach us one thing. They, they were caring for your whole well-being. So they would tailor things to you. So that's the, the best of all worlds. But in our commercialized transactionalized world here, um, you know, you kind of get one size fits all. There are lots of choices about what those sizes are, but you don't know that going in. So I'd, I'd say the practical advice would be whatever, wherever you are, that's your starting point. You're already perfect. And yeah, everybody wants to feel better. That's a great goal. So do things that make you feel good. That's, that's good to know. If you're getting into yoga class and they immediately start put you, putting you into places where you're just feeling like, well, this is not only uncomfortable, but it actually doesn't feel good. They're not paying attention to you. 
And that's when you walk out. That's where, when you maybe have a conversation with them and say, you know, that didn't feel good. Um, pay attention to that, to the response there. Uh, I'm going to give a little thing here. That's going to go bifurcation is something that's called one is, uh, if the response is something like, but this is yoga, you just got to do it till you get it. That's not your studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other is that, um, Part of the practices yoga is learning to put up with a little bit of discomfort. Okay. Cause the thing is, if you, if you just want to always be comfortable, then you're not going to do anything because you're out of your comfort zone. The second you do something you've never done before. And if somehow that you know, makes your ego feel bad or something else and you quit, then you won't, you won't accomplish anything at all. Mm -hmm. So part of the practice of yoga for me is just sort of getting used to the idea that, uh, first of all, there's a difference between pain and discomfort. Okay. Now, if I've got a tweaky knee and I crank on my leg and that pain really says, stop, I need to listen to that because cranking on my knee is not going to make me a better yogi. But if I bend forward and my hamstrings are tight and I feel that kind of gnawing sensation in the back of my legs, that's not necessarily pain. That's a sensation and it's not comfortable because I'm not used to it. But if I, if, if a good teacher would say, mm, if it's that uncomfortable, back off a little bit. Okay. And Jeremy, you probably heard me say this in class too. Oh yeah. Uh, back off, but then take a breath. And then on that exhale, don't push into it, but just like fall into it. Let yourself fall into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You'll know when you reach that edge again, you'll reach the edge when you start to feel like, Ooh, it's starting to get a little bit kind of dicey again. Oh, pull, pull back, take a breath, fall again. You fall into it and without ever crossing that line of, of like beyond past discomfort into pain, without ever crossing that line, what you'll find is that if you just keep that open mind that you don't actually have to get anywhere today, but you just breathe and wait and move, it happens. It just like, you know, I would say uh, if you practice every day, a millimeter a day will get you about a third of a third of a yard <laughs> third of a meter, right? <laughs> you know like a millimeter is a millimeter is that big right yeah but if you stretch only that much more each day but you did it every day you know you gotta go whatever part of your body you're stretching you, you'll get a lot out of it our thanks to michael suzeris owner of um culture seattle they uh so they are actually in the middle of a of sort of a transition from having a physical uh, location in Seattle. They're moving pretty much primarily online from what I understand um, as coronavirus has dictated. So many physical establishments like that have had to close down and they're, you know, a relatively small business. So their strategy at this point is, is moving online. And as Michael mentioned in the interview, I, and, and I've found too, I do like doing these kinds of classes online because it does while you do sort of miss out on that that experience of being in a room and a, and a shared experience with people, being comfortable in your own house does make it, I think, a little bit more approachable. Yeah, it it, it definitely takes away the any intimidation that you might have of walking into a studio, finding a place. I mean, like my anxiety brain, my monkey brain, right? It's like I show up early for a yoga class so I can make sure to get a spot that nobody's around me mm -hmm. and it's going to fill in anyway, but I want my initial spot. You to want be that control. Yeah. My choice. I want the person who sits next to me to choose to sit next to me as opposed to me choosing to sit next to well, another you can, person. You can, you can pick two walls so that there's only one person or, or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like the online stuff is, is actually, um, really good if you want to try it yeah and there's like a million vi videos out there and, and there's online services too where they're they're getting really good at i mean that you you can't be perfect at it but they're getting really good at you know hosting these classes online for sure for sure and and they even have uh home culture has one but pretty much every yoga, yoga studio at this point has a library of videos that you can watch so even if you don't want that connection, that interaction with the teacher, and you just want to try and follow along. There's just a ton of ways to, to experiment with this and, and find out if it's something that works for you. We're going to put a link to one of their videos on the post for this show on our website, thefitmess.com, if, if that's where you want us to start. Or you know, feel free to Google and, and find something that that fits what you're looking for in this practice, if it's something you're interested in. Um, and you know, yoga, yoga pants optional. That's the best part. 
<laughs> exactly. You can do this in whatever you need. I wouldn't suggest jeans. I've seen people do yoga in jeans. Yeah, I don't get that. Highly uncomfortable. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Um, no. So I guess, you know, in, in a way that could sort of be our challenge this week. We can, we can approach the challenge a little differently. And rather than you and I challenging each other, Zach, because we're, we're both pretty busy with the things that we're already doing with our routines. Let's turn the challenge to the listener and, and, and ask you, the listener, try this one on our website or find one that works for you and, and report back to us what you think. If it's something that works for you, maybe you've been doing yoga for 20 years and you know, want to just share a little bit about your experience. I'd love to hear you know, what, what the listeners are doing to uh, incorporate this into their routines. And they can reach out to us through uh, our email, info at thefitmess.com or through any of our social media channels, all of those uh, also on our website, thefitmess.com. Yeah, I like that idea. Let's let's throw this around to the listeners and challenge them to do a little bit of yoga, especially if you've never done it before. Especially if you've never done it before, because the thing the thing about it that's so great is that, uh, especially if you're just doing a video, is you can suck really bad at it, and it's okay. Yeah, and, and no one find, can see you. Do it a couple times, and you'll find that you get a little bit better every time. And it's uh, it's again, it's a great it's a great gateway to uh, better yeah. physical and, and mental fitness. Yeah. And even if you do um, choose to do a live one, while it's nice to have the interaction with the instructor, I've found that any live one that I go to, half of the cameras are turned off. Yeah, and people that's are true. just just watching and doing it and you can't and nobody can see you. So, I mean, even if you want to do a live one and not a recorded one, just don't turn your camera on. No one can see you. Yep, totally. I would recommend muting too, because if you've never done yoga before, there might be a couple of grunts in there. <laughs> and, and other noises. Yes. I've, <laughs> I've, I've dropped a couple of four letter words to, uh, to show my appreciation to how inflexible I am in the hips sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap things up for this edition of the fit mess. Thanks a lot for listening and subscribing on whatever device you use to find this show. Uh, we'll try and be back in a couple of weeks. I know we, we say a couple of weeks every time, and sometimes it takes three, but here we are. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to be back in a couple of weeks at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the Internet, and even if they did play them on the Internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.